episode of the CJ McCollum Show. I am currently recording in New Orleans. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, and I'm excited uh, because I'll be playing basketball again in front of fans on Wednesday against the 76ers. Um, it's been a long process. I've been working out. I've been training. I've been playing with the kids at home, and uh, based on conversations with my pulmonologist and our staff, um, my ramp has has been effective. My ramp has been efficient and um, comfortable, and they are comfortable with me returning to play um, against the Sixers. So I'm, I'm excited. Obviously, uh, they're a very good team. We're going to be playing at home, and our guys have done a, a great job of uh, holding the fork down, if you will, uh, while I was out. You know, winning some big games. You know, having a lot of close games. A lot of different players stepping up and playing well. Obviously, Z and Bi playing extremely well. JV has been great. Herb has showed a lot of versatility. Dyson has been great with a, in a larger role. Obviously, the defense has always been there, but the floaters, the ability to kind of orchestrate and play extended minutes, has been helpful for his development. And I obviously haven't talked about Hawk. Hawk has been phenomenal. He started a lot of games. I think at one point he was leading the Pelicans in minutes, uh, minutes played with all the injuries that we've had throughout our roster. And if you just look at the growth, the catch and shoot has always been there. The decision making, the ability to drive closeouts, um, the trust, the faith in his jump shot, you know, shooting threes on fast breaks. All of those things have, have showed, um, throughout his time. And he's a guy that's been very, very reliable. Uh, Jose returned. He's been great, giving us energy, you know, playing at a high level. Naj was great um, in that last game against Utah and has been great uh, throughout this season, shooting the ball well. I think it was over 50 from three, uh, 55% from three on this, uh, going into this last road trip. Uh, versatile finishes well on a basket. Larry has returned, um, obviously defending the basket well, being able to play make, uh, being able to kind of be another guy out there on the floor who could make decisions for us. Cody Zeller has been in the lineup a lot more because of all the injuries and has showed that he's just constantly going to make the right play over and over and over again. And that's what you want um, from your bigs and, and, and from guys who are closer to 30 than they are to 20. And I think, you know, the only thing depending now is obviously my return and obviously Trey and we'll be whole and we'll look like a completely different team from the start of the season, which is, you know, what we all kind of have envisioned and what the organization has envisioned, what the fans have envisioned. So I'm really, really excited about returning and being able to play um, in games again. And um, I don't take it for granted. And I'm thankful um, that I that I was able to, you know, work back um, into playing shape from from what occurred uh, what three and a half weeks ago. <laughs> Just letting you guys know. It's like breaking it's news funny. here that you are going to be playing Wednesday against a red hot Philadelphia team. Um, but, you know, if you all didn't hear our episode um, from Thanksgiving week, CJ um, kind of broke down just, um, you know, what 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 happened with his injury um, and, and what that feeling was like and then the recovery. And, you know, now you're here uh, where your doctors are, are happy with the ramp up. You're happy with the ramp up. What, what, did, what did that evaluation kind of look like? Uh, some of it was time, just allowing, you know, the body to kind of go through um, an uptick in workload. So conditioning, contact, contact and conditioning, lifting, just kind of going through all of those things, running and just seeing how the body kind of responded and felt, understanding the threshold of weeks I was removed from the actual collapse of the lung 
understand the amount of weeks I was removed from, you know, breaking my rib and just allowing all those things to kind of heal and um, begin to feel better consistently. And I think that was the first part. And the second part was um, looking at this road trip, obviously game in Utah, which is an altitude, you know, which is having to get on a plane and do all of those things, which isn't really great for your lungs in the first place. Um, it didn't make much sense um, for me to travel and um, be a part of that, although I would have loved to. Um, I was I was urged um, not to do it from my pulmonologist and being able to stay here, obviously work out, obviously rehab, lift, get conditioning in. And the cool thing that the organization I was able to accomplish was I was able to practice with the squadron. So I practiced with our G League team mm. um, for two days. Um which was really cool just to see the guys. A lot of guys were with us um, in training camp, really great dudes, work hard, um, love basketball and compete. So I was able to practice with them for two days. I work out before practice and work out afterwards, and, which was nice. Um, be able to get that cardio and be able to get that conditioning in and be able to play some live action. <clears throat> then that gave me some more time this week to get some workouts in, get a lift in, uh, make sure my body was feeling good and responding well, because it was a long week of practice with the team, working out three times a day, practice with the squadron and still working out twice a day. It was a lot, a load just to kind of reintroduce um, and, and try to simulate as close to possible as mm -hmm. a game day, right? Shoot around in the morning. I work out afterwards. I take a nap. I go back to the gym. I get a little prehab in, a little movement stuff. And you don't play till 7 p.m. So it's just a elongated day. And I wanted to make sure my body was getting some of that simulation um, before I go back out there on the court. But I feel good. I'm in a really good spot. And uh, my conditioning is, is is where it needs to be to play a game. Um, does your pulmonologist, is he at the training facility with you? Like what um, or are you like having to go to him? Are you going to have to continue to kind of do weekly, daily checkups? What is that like? Uh, but these are just conversations. I actually use a pulmonologist out of Cedar Sinai in California. Um, so we're just checking in. I'm sending him my heart rate variability, mm. whatever it may be. Like, right. this is how I felt today when I worked out. Um, this is how long I worked out for. And that was the process in the very beginning. Like, 50% of heart rate, 70 to 80% of heart rate, max. When can I do contact? Re reporting back to our team doctors, our team physicians, our team trainers, our team staff. Uh, as well as our team doctors and then having conversations with my pulmonologist. This is how I felt. This is what I'm thinking. What is your timeline in your head? What do you think makes the most sense for my body? What have you seen historically with this? Because this is a guy who works on um, the lungs on a day-to-day -day basis. He's, he's, he's conducting surgeries everywhere. He's teaching things uh, to doctors all across the world. So he's seen it all. So I'm just having conversations and dialogue about how long does this typically take? How long would you wait? You know, if it was your son, what types of things mm. should I be thinking about when I do return? Did you ask him that question? Yeah, I always ask the doctors, um, you know, when would you come back if it was your son? Would you allow your son to do these things? Because yeah. then it, it puts, it, it humanizes the injury, it humanizes the situation and, Obviously, every doctor cares about all their patients, right? We all care about our craft and everything, but like how you feel about your family, like it hits a different, yeah. it's at a different level. And he was like, I wouldn't let my patients do these things and I wouldn't let my son do these things. And that kind of, kind of paints the picture of how I should ramp and where I should be at. And that's kind of how it's been now. I'm just checking in like, I feel great. This is what I have been doing. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. So that's been the dialogue and the conversation. Our team doctors have been involved every step of the way, and they've been fantastic with the feedback, uh, with their thoughts, and a very collaborative effort on the ramp, the return to play process, and what we all kind of agree on um, from a return standpoint. So that's been fantastic, and you know, I tip my cap to them because they've been great with everything. And, and you mentioned in our last episode 
um, that, you know, you're coming, returning sooner than you did. The last time you had, um, you know, the collapsed lung is because mm-hmm. that was during, you know, the pandemic and yeah. there was a more strict you know, respiratory requirements, if you will. Um, but your, your broken rib is, how is it feeling? Does it feel, you know, I know it's painful, but, and, but you could work through it. Is that something that, um, you know, you feel is getting better daily? Yeah. From where I was at when the injury first occurred to now it's night and day, um, night and day difference. Uh, I wouldn't be returning to play if I didn't physically and mentally feel ready. And I didn't feel like everything was where it needed to be. So I'm, I'm at that stage where everything is, is, is where it needs to be. And I'm comfortable, um, with how I feel. I'm comfortable with how I'm moving. I'm comfortable with the results of my workouts. And I'm also, which is probably the most important, comfortable with how I've responded to the increased workload consistently, um, throughout each day. Um, so you're returning in interesting time. So today is Tuesday. Um, it's gonna, you know, this is a really exciting night for the in-season tournament. You guys have wrapped up your in-season tournament games. Um, so you're waiting on the, um, the results from the Houston game to see if you guys advance to, um, the knockout round. But, you know, like, what are your early just impressions of how group play went. And um, I know tonight is good at kind of like a big part of, you know, the success of, of group play, but what are your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts are that outside of the conversations about around the court, which probably were good for the in-season tournament in general. They, um, absolutely. They were 100% effective. Super you know. effective, super bright. I think the play has been outstanding. I think, the product that we're seeing, the competitive nature that's coming out, the types of games that our stars are delivering throughout the league, uh, Steph, Braun, all those guys are playing at a high level. They always play at a high level, but it feels like, you know, Lakers going 4-0. It feels like a, there's a reason why the Lakers went 4-0 in group play. It's because they are looking forward to Vegas. They're looking forward to that $500,000, and it's obvious. I think you look at some of the, the, the highlights of players that have played throughout the in-season tournament and how they Who are you performed. thinking about when you say they're looking to, looking forward to Vegas? You're thinking I, about someone specific. I, I think, I think Cause, the players... Because we know LeBron James doesn't need no $500,000, but... I mean, you'd be surprised. My guy, my guy cares about... My, my guy doesn't <laughs> does. have... He, his his Pandora tight. probably still has ads. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how LeBron is moving. But yes, I think... We know this. I think... Everybody is looking forward to competing at that stage. I think since it's the first one, it's like the inaugural in season. Like it's it's the first one in Vegas. It's prime time. There'll be no other basketball games on um, Tuesday and Thursday. The rest of the league will play on Wednesday and Friday. It's like it's the center stage. Uh, it's very meaningful. Guys are playing at a high level. I mean, you look at Book. He's obviously been killing, but he's averaging 34 and eight assists on 55 percent shooting from the field. You got Dame playing at a high level, Sabonis, Halliburton. Halliburton is just killing. But I mean, you, you're seeing he really is outrageous performances each night. But especially when you get those bright courts and the unique jerseys, it feels like guys are competing at a high level. And the last thing I'll say on this is something that we talked about before the show. Everybody is competing until the final buzzer, which has received mixed results. But I think the cool part is games that have at times felt meaningless for fans are very meaningful, right? The players are making them meaningful. Um, they're playing until the end. They're shooting shots at the buzzer. And 
I, I was watching the highlights of my brother's game today, uh, Karshiaka in, in the Basketball Champions League, and they needed to win by 15 in order to tie the team with a three and one record and have the same point differential in their group to advance. And they got a stop with four seconds left. They made an advance past the half court and they were able to convert a one legged three at the buzzer to tie in group play, which gives them a chance to kind of move on as opposed to winning by 12, 13 or 14. They would have lost the point differential. The same is occurring in the NBA. Booker hits a three off the backboard and now they have a plus 34 point differential. We have a plus 33. So this could, could really factor into whether or not we advance as a wild card. Now we have to basically win the group to get in. I think this is a cool part of the game. And as long as there's that dialogue between players, the organizations and the, the, the guys out there, I think you'll understand that it's not about running the score up. It's about trying to get that point differential in case it's necessary to advance. So like when Bam, you know, said this after one of their games, like the thing about that a lot of guys I've been seeing uh, disagree with, because if you're up 15 and you're trying to get a point differential with 40 seconds, it takes the integrity from the game. And you're saying it's just people going to have to change the unspoken rules because this is a brand new um, experience within the season. But, you know, when you go back to the drawing board and conversations I had with, with, with Grant, he said, you know, the way that we make this successful is we listen to everybody's feedback. Um, I, you know, and then we try to make it better. Um, I assume like with, even with the courts, maybe not everyone likes how bold the courts are. Maybe they just keep the runway for next year so they can, you know, make sure that everyone sees the out of bounds line. So I'm sure this, those are going to be some conversations that you're going to be having over the summer um, about how to improve this in season tournament. But you're saying that the point differential you feel like is a key part of, you know, determining, um, you know, these tiebreakers. Yeah, I think it makes the game more interesting, right? Obviously, once you kind of understand all the rules, um, the competitive nature kicks in. And I think the way the game has played, been played historically, it would be frowned upon to score at the end of the game. But now I think with the explanation, with the understanding of soccer, FIBA, Europe, the rules associated with some of those leagues, as you continue to watch, it makes it makes perfect sense on why you would try to score at the end of the game, why it's necessary and why it's also not disrespectful because it's a shift in the game and the way we think about the game, the way the game is performed. And I think once we kind of get used to that mentality, um, guys will be more comfortable with it. And I think there's a dialogue that needs to happen too. So he's like, look, man, we're not trying to run up the score, but this is what it is. We're trying to advance. There's obviously money on the line. There's obviously a trophy on the line. There's a trip to Vegas on the line. We have all of these incentives and we're playing within the rules of the game. So it's more so about just right. get us, get a stop. If you don't want us to score, like, right. just get a stop. Right. I mean, if I was in Philadelphia last night for that Sixers Lakers game, which was uh, LeBron's, um, you know, uh, biggest blowout loss in his career, 21 year career. So I, I best believe, you know, I think, you know, Lakers fans and probably LeBron at the end of that game would be like, man, it would have been nice to kind of have something to, you know, give us a little bit more edge to make some stops because, uh, they give up a 40 point fourth quarter. This is not a let's bash the Lakers, uh, podcast, but you know, it, it plays into it is what you're saying. It, it, it makes maybe a meaningless fourth quarter have some meaning, um, in, in November. Uh, so, all right. Well, do you have any feedback on, on the courts that is like, uh, you know, what do you think about maybe just doing the runway 
um, for, for next year because there's been some complaints, you know, gathering feedback. Like I had the Knicks game on Friday and there was all types of panic pregame because it was an orange court and an orange ball. And, and so every, like a lot of people were worried that, um, you know, you weren't going to be able to see the, the ball, um, especially, you know, watching from home. It ended up being fine. It, I, it, like it was a little dizzying, but, um, I think it was fine. Uh, you know, Eric Spostra had some issues that they like, didn't get the court until the night before. And so there was no ability to kind of like practice on the court until shoot around. Um, but I'm sure by next year, like, you know, that will be a little bit more smooth process. This is all, we're all trying to test things out and, 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 and cause that was the first time the Knicks had an in-season tournament game at home. Um, so do you have any kind of feedback? You haven't played on one of those courts. No, I haven't played on it, but I actually seen our court at home. I, w- I went to the game where we played against uh, the Timberwolves, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the Timberwolves. And I think the difference is each year there's probably going to be small changes, incremental changes based on feedback. And it's it's not a finished product by any means. And I think the cool thing about the, the relationship and partnership we have with the league is, that, is their willingness and ability to listen to feedback and make changes. And I think court color how the court feels similar to the, the basketball yeah. situation with going from Spalding to Wilson, they're very receptive to feedback and they act quickly. So I, I would imagine that as we continue to gather more feedback from players, there'll be some subtle changes that kind of occur to make the game better for the players to make the game better. You should change the color of the, the ball fans. too. make it white or something. I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> that's something that that ends up happening down the line. You, you, you never yeah. truly know on this game because we will figure out ways to make it more innovative. Um, I think that's for sure. And the, one of the things they talked about today, I see on, on online, is integrating the uh, Turner and ESPN broadcast uh, for in-season tournament yes. games. Did you see that? And what how do you, do you feel? That? How do you feel about it? It's going to be you doing it, right? Well, I I had known about it because you okay. know I you know, do do I'm on the team with uh, Doris and Doc and Mike uh, before Lisa, you know wraps up uh Monday night football and so I had known about it and I you know it's going to be interesting I think um they may also be mixing the studio shows too um wow. which would be let's like Stephen A and Charles I'm not sure nice. I'm not like I got to I got to confirm that um but yeah I think I think it'll be interesting I think I'm not sh- I I I don't know the confirmed teams like Reggie, maybe with Doris and Doc, maybe with Kevin Harlan. I'm not really sure. Um, gotcha. But I think that's interesting. I like it. I think you know, it's cool. We're, even though we're competitors, like it's we're all under, you know, this M- NBA family. Yeah, I think it's really cool. It's it's innovative. It gives fans a different perspective. It'll allow different personalities to mesh and maybe clash uh, publicly, which could be very entertaining, especially if you get the yeah. right conversations between some of the, the Charleses of the world and the Stephen A's of the world. Uh, I, I think it'll be... It'll be unique and different, and it'll create a conversation, which I think is is is... The goal a lot of times is to create conversation, dialogue, feedback, figure out how you can improve and then kind of listen to some of the changes that need to be made and, and, and figure out whether or not 
we're heading in a great direction of, of basketball conversation and, and, and the critiquing of the basketball games that are going to be played on these nights. I mean, what if you guys make it all the way? Then it's got to be like, do you switch places with Draymond or something? As in like active players, that would like be, analysis from the bench. That would be hilarious. It's honestly. not like it's not not there. <laughs> it's not not there. Yeah. So I don't even know if the Warriors, honest, I don't know if they can qualify. I think they got you a shot. Can. I'm actually looking at a graphic. Do I think they? the Warriors have a I, shot. I, I need to. I need to study my uh, my in-season tournament scenarios or just sit back and watch and have everybody on the screen tell me who's in and who's out. And <laughs> by the end of the night, I'll know. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're all going to know as soon as they put up the graphics to, to show us exactly how we yeah. got to this point, which is going to be really cool to see who's going and then figuring out like the setup, being able to watch the games. I think, I think it's, it's, it's going to be really cool. We talked about one LA team. Yes. It's only right that we discuss the other one. You have at it. <laughs> have um, at it. I, this is just me reading right now. And I'm going to start with Russell Westbrook, right? Russell had to talk to a fan. I've seen the, kind of the back and forth. I didn't get the, the details of it. But Russ basically said, nowhere else can people go to someone's job and disrespect you at your job and it'd be okay. When people come to work, they should be respected at their job. So... This so Paul a, George said that about Russ because I don't oh. think Russ spoke after the game last night, but yeah, like that's pretty much the take on that. And so PG spoke on Russ's confrontations, and this isn't the first time this has happened with Russ. He's kind of yeah. gone back and forth with fans over the course of his career, and one of the things that he has been very consistent about is the fact that like you can you know watch the game or whatever, you can boo, you can cheer, but there's certain things that should never be said. Um, to another man, especially at a sporting event. And I think that holds true. Like competing is one thing. Respecting your team is another. And you still have to respect these guys as individuals and, and human beings. And I think there's certain things that should never be said in terms of family, um, being disrespectful or, or having foul language towards players. And you've been at uh, thousands of games. You hear what they kind of announce before the games. Uh, a fan decorum if you will where they kind of go through the list of things that are acceptable and unacceptable from fans and i think sometimes the liquor wins uh or the wine um in some cases and in, in, in fans are very encouraged to say things they shouldn't say and i think there's a there's a fine line between cheering for your team and cheering against the team and being disrespectful i think it's important for fans to kind of not cross that line and i think as players we got to understand that we're going to be critiqued we're going to be at times uh, vilified, but we shouldn't have to withstand certain verbal jabs uh, from people, yeah. especially when they become personal. I think that's 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 where the, the line should be drawn. And Russ has taken a lot, um, you know, a lot more than some other players. Uh, yeah. He was a, some say, a scapegoat when he was in L.A., um, but he did speak after the game. He said um, – that he wasn't going to get into what exactly was said because it's not appropriate. He said, I'm just protecting myself. He says, it's just unfortunate fans think they can get away with saying anything. And personally, I won't allow it. I've taken a lot of people saying anything and getting away with it, but I won't stand for it. I know one time, um, you know, one occurrence last year where he got into an interaction with people was, um, you know, people keep calling him Westbrook and him saying that, uh, you know, his son was getting called that at school. And that's what really kind of, you know, triggered it for him to just, mm -hmm. you know, 
try to like fight back or, you know, uh, talk to the fans in the stands and, and say that he, he, he won't allow it. it. Unfortunately though, it like becomes a story. And then, you know, sometimes it's, it's a situation where like, once people know that they can get to you, they're like, Oh, I can be, I can, I can be a part of this. I can go viral, you know? Right. Um, so I understand his take, but like, there's a reason why sometimes, you know, it's like, you got to be the bigger person because some, a lot of these people who are saying inappropriate things are doing it so they can, you know, like affect you in some way. Um, they, they want to see that you're human, um, in the sense that they like want to be able to interact with you. Um, cause like nine times out of 10, if you were to respond to them, they'd be like, Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. You're so right. great, CJ. That's You're true. so great. I didn't mean it. My bad. But they just, they want to see if you can interact or look their way. Um, so I mean, I, you know, with the Russ stuff, like I, uh, you know, he's, he's been such a, um, big presence in this league for so long. Um, and you know, I just, uh, I think he's taken a lot of heat and for someone who will be a hall of famer, um, and I, you know, I, 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 uh, feel for him because it's a hard place to be in where you're like, you're fed up with hearing, you know, people like say disrespectful things to you, but I almost feel like he's at a point where he's just feeding the fire, feeding the beast, um, that's around him. Yeah, and I think you you hit the the nail on the head. Hall of Famer, first ballot, one of the greatest players ever played the sport, one of the greatest point guards ever. And instead of us being able to talk about how great he is as a person, the things he does in his community, we're having to talk about hecklers, you know, saying stuff to him. But I think this is something that will be behind us. The league has done a great job being proactive about staying on top of these things, giving out lifetime bans and just collecting audio and investigating these things thoroughly and properly to make sure that certain things aren't ever mm. being said uh, to players during games. So I, I think I don't think I don't think everyone knows that they collect audio from, oh, you know, if a, yeah. a player like reports something, then they'll interview, they'll do all the things that are necessary um, to make sure they get the full story and the full scope of everything that occurred. So you don't really have to worry about messages being mixed up because they, they are, very, very on top of these things, um, understanding the severity of a threat or the wrong type of threat towards a player. They're, they're very proactive in making sure that, that fans aren't disrespecting our players at that level. Um, while we're on the Clippers, it's only right that we just briefly talk about how they've been playing. They're four and seven since James joined. Um, there's a lot there's of issues. There's also reasons why he would have been frustra frustrated last night. I mean, yeah. they played a nuggets list Denver team last night who didn't have who didn't have Jokic, Gordon, or Murray. Um shout out to Reggie Jackson, man. Reggie Jackson had Yeah, yeah there we go. There we a great game. Reggie played really well, double double. DeAndre Jordan uh, had a great game, double double. Mike Malone really coached him up and they executed and they played hard. And I think for the Clippers, they're figuring out their identity. They're figuring out ball movement, spacing, tempo who's going to run pick and rolls, who's going to chill in the corner. They got a lot of issues that they got to figure out because they have a lot of star power, a lot of guys who are used to having the ball in their hands and they're trying to figure out who's going to have the ball and how to kind of orchestrate movement, flow, how to generate quality catch and shoot looks instead of having to take tough middies all the time. But I think that's the, 
the difference in successful teams down the stretch is what type of quality looks are you able to generate? Do you defend? Do you have role players who just don't care about scoring? Do you have role players who just don't care about having the ball and guys that are willing to do the little things? And I think right now they're at a crossroads, right? Like Norm is obviously capable of playing with or without the ball. Their big fella can play with or without the ball. But most of their rotational players, Russ, PJ, no, I'm sorry, PG, hmm. Claw, James, they're all used to having the ball in their hands. So it's tough right now because a lot of them play in the same spaces. Not a lot of three-point shooting in those lineups. Not a lot of catch-and-shoot three-pointers. Obviously, PG does. But most of their stuff is off the dribble. James off the dribble. Kawhi off the dribble. Um, it's it's difficult to watch because you know what their ceiling could be, and they're just not reaching it right now because of a lot of issues. I mean, it's a – look, I know James Harden – takes a lot of heat and he brings a lot on himself as well, but it's going to take some time to implement that type of player into this system where there's already two established players who also need the ball. So I, um, I mean, I know the tension around James is adding to also the impatience with these, this Clippers team, clicking right away um and also just the impatience around the clippers in general um because you know their their time is is now or feels like now or never um in terms of like can this can they actually be a championship team probably a reason why they made the move for for james harden because there's there's a you know feeling of desperation in the air um but i i just I think it's still November. We're not even in December yet. Um, sure, it would have been better if they figured out this deal in the off season so they could have had a training camp together. But I think, like, give them a little time. <laughs> um, I, but I, I do think it's, it's it's harder when the noise keeps getting louder around this team. And unfortunately, it's because of James Harden, um, because he forced his way out and he made it a very loud exit. Um, so I don't know if that's going to die down anytime soon, but I think if you're a Clippers fan, you just, you gotta have, you gotta give them some more time to work through all these situations. Plus, you know, Ty Lue is a great coach. Um, so, you know, that like, they, they, I, I think let, revisit after the, the first of the year, if they still look a hot mess, then, then you can turn the volume up a little more. Um, but there's just, you know, that's, that's NBA fans. They're, everyone's impatient. I want it now, Veruca Salt. Wow. That was a great message. Great delivery. And I think <laughs> you're basically giving them 17 more games to figure it out, which would be 17 plus 12, uh, 29 games almost. Uh, you're looking at more than a quarter of the season. I think that's fair. Rotations, substitution patterns, play calling, spacing. All those things get better once you get like a 25 game sample, especially if you're, if your roster is fluid and healthy. So I, I think that's very fair. And these guys are good enough to figure it out. It's just a matter of compatibility and skill set and mesh. And, um, I guess it's to be determined. And you know how the not. season goes. It's up you and don't down. get practices. Yeah. But you also just like don't get a lot of time to bond, if you will. Um, yeah. That was actually something that like the Sixers kind of talked about a lot when James 
join them is that like there's these guys don't like practice a lot. You don't, you know, you're trying to fit in off days and then you throw in the in-season tournament. So there's all that kind of like craziness around what's what's happening early on. So it's yeah. Uh, I, 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 that's another reason why the in-season tournament is great. Cause if everybody feels like mid season, <laughs> because right. there's been so much extra things to think about, um, than just, you know, uh, are they playing well? Look at my light going out. There we go. Alternate there it is. light. <laughs> the um, light from above. All right. Well, maybe that's a sign. That's a sign. The 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 lights going out on on this podcast because you gotta you gotta go. You know, rest up with with your baby girl again. You put out a um, officially your Instagram post. You made the announcement on our last uh, podcast. You had I two. Did. You had like three breaking news stories in our last podcast. Um, but Margot and did did how did New Orleans receive the the spelling of Margot? <laughs> I think they enjoyed it. I think. We really like the name Margot. We really like the spelling of it. And with us living in New Orleans and being here and that being a part of our life, it just, it, it felt right. Um, it felt authentic. It felt like a it's part beautiful. of our story. And I don't, outside of Chateau Margot, I don't know, I don't know any Margots with that spelling. I know Margots that are spelled differently, but not with that spelling. So I thought it was very unique and we really liked the name. And Absolutely. She's, she's so pretty and innocent and Aww. gentle. So. It's so cool to see, you know, babies at this size again, the process and uh, the growth and to have a baby girl is, is priceless. And it's probably like crazy to see Jacoby like not the baby anymore. Yeah, he's big and he's looking at her like trying to push the stroller and stuff and being a big brother. So it's really sweet to see how he's growing more fond of her each day. And you've been doing the feedings at night, you know, what since you've been home. So that's been I had like, a good run. I had a really good run yeah. and the run has come to an end and it's 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 time to get rest and lock in and um go to work. You never so. wanna have a collapse you never wanna have a collapsed lung, okay? First and foremost. But never. if you're gonna have a collapsed lung, might as well have a newborn baby at the same time <laughs> so you can stay home, you know, yeah. and take care of her. So it worked it worked out. Because you're you're returning, and we can't wait to see you back on the court. It was um, a scary time for all that know you, care about you. Um, but we were. I know Nuggets fans can't wait to have Nuggets fans. Yeah, sure, Nuggets fans, Pelicans fans can't wait to have you back. Um, and we can't wait to uh, see you and talk about you being back on the court on our next episode of the CJ McCollum Show. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you enjoy the week and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the in season tournament breakdown and what teams will be playing where. So I can't wait to watch. Also, I'm still waiting on my cookies. Let you know. <laughs> Soon come. Soon Let come. You know. See you next week. Enjoy your games. <laughs> <laughs>